Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Amen. It's great to be here again tonight. And if you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9. verse 10 and 11. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, that's by the fear of the Lord, your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. Amen. Continuing tonight, speaking on an amazing subject that the Lord has impressed on my heart for this year, for His church, and that is the subject of the fear of the Lord. This morning we looked at a beautiful verse in Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets, Malachi 4 and verse 2, where it says, To those who fear His name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Wow, we looked at, it's, there'd been a, there's 400 years of, of God not speaking, 400 years of darkness, and, and then the dawn began to break. The sun of S-U-N, the sun of righteousness, began to rise as Zechariah, then as a virgin girl called Mary, then as shepherds on a hilltop, and, and the sun begins to break in again. And then John the Baptist begins to announce that there's one coming. He begins to give witness to the light, to the sunlight. And then Jesus appears, the light of the world. And the sun begins to shine and the sick begin to get healed. The lame walk and the dumb speak and the deaf hear and the blind see. And, and amazing, and the lepers are cleansed and amazing things are happening. The poor hear the gospel, the oppressed are set free. The sun shines. And it's not stopped shining. Yes, for th three days it seemed there was darkness. But then on that third day he rose from the dead. The sun of righteousness has risen with healing in his wings. But we saw this morning as we get excited about the thought and theme of healing. We say, yes, Lord, we want to see healing. We saw there's this condition to those who fear his name. To those who stand in awe and reverence, not those who are afraid of his name, it's not saying that, not those who cower at his name, it's not saying that, but to those who stand in awe and reverence of his name, there's the condition, then the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wings. I shared this morning the missing ingredient, I guess in today's churches, is the fear of the Lord. That awe and reverence of God, the Holy One. If we can get back to that, if we can rediscover that, then I believe God is going to work in unprecedented ways in healing and miracles and signs and wonders. I don't know about you, but I think, wow, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to be there. I want to be at that. But the fear of the Lord is, uh, is it brings 
There is healing. The Son of Righteousness rises with healing in his wings. That's just one of the benefits. There's many, many, but just there can be a few. You know, we, we read them here in Proverbs 9. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Anyone want to be wise? Make wise decisions and good decisions? The fear of the Lord, your, your days will be multiplied. And the years of life will be added to you. Anybody want that one? I guess in today's world, everyone will be saying, Yes, please. I want that one. And then in, in, in Psalm 34, it, gives, it, it goes on and on. There's loads. I'm going to give you a few. In Psalm 34, and, and verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Anybody want some protection in your life? Then fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps around. You know, when you have an angel fighting for you, when you see what some of those angels did in times past, you think, wow, having one of those fighting for me, it would be pretty amazing. And then in the same Psalm, verse 9, Psalm 34, verse 9, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Psalmist is saying, come on, do this. <coughs> there is no want to those who fear him. Provision. Provision. Protection, provision, healing, wisdom. Wow. Psalm 103, verse 11, it says, Great is his mercy to those who fear him. When we live in awe and our reverence of God, God is, he loves that. He's merciful to us. I need God's mercy in my life. Psalm 19, verse 9. It says, the fear of the Lord keeps us clean. Keeps us pure. The awe, the reverence of God keeps us pure. You know, if you want an example of that, someone who walked in the fear of God, an example of someone who walked in fear of God is Joseph, 17 years old. So we're talking about a teenager. Say no more. And he's sold by his brothers into slavery and he, he finds himself in the house of Potiphar. He's on his own. It's heathen. It's idolatrous. And to make matters worse, Potiphar's wife, who we assume was fairly good-looking, she takes a fancy to him. And day after day, she tries to seduce him. How do you stand up when you're on your own? In a heathen, alien environment... And all these pressures, you're 17 and you've got this woman that's coming on to you. How do you deal with all of that? But the answer is found in Genesis 39. Genesis 39 and verse 9. Where Joseph says to Potiphar's wife, there's no one greater in this house than I. 
Nor is he that's part of her kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How can I then do this great wickedness and sin against God? A 17-year-old kept himself pure in that environment because of the fear of the Lord. Psalm 19 says, The fear of the Lord keeps us clean. Wow, that we have a new, fresh recognition and appreciation of our God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's who He is. And when we get that, then we live a life that's pure. Even when we haven't got Christians around us, when we haven't got fellowship around us, when we're in cultures and environments where there's bad language, where people uh, are into all kinds of stuff, and with all kinds of images and stuff thrown around, uh, we can keep clean by the fear of the Lord. So I guess by now, when you consider all of this, healing and wisdom and long life and protection and provision and purity and God's mercy... And that's just the beginning of the list. You can do your own Bible study. You say, wow, we need this. We need a fresh sense of the fear of the Lord. The awe and the reverence of God. But we need things to motivate us to that, if we're honest. You say, I can come and preach a message like this. And you say, yeah, we agree, we agree, we agree. But maybe we won't be moved. Maybe we won't do too much about it. So what can motivate us? What can motivate us to the fear of the Lord? What can motivate us that there might be a revival of the sense of the fear of God? Because if the fear of the Lord is felt and known among us and in our lives, and it means there's going to be a release of healing and a release of God's presence and a release of, of, of multitudes coming to Christ and a release of the oppressed being freed, then I think, wow, Lord, I need to get where that's at. And I believe tonight that as I prayed about this, as I thought about it, as much as anything for my own life, so I'm not standing here and saying, right, you know, you miserable sinners out there. I'm saying this miserable sinner here. <laughs> you know, we all need to get this right. So what can motivate us? And I came up with three things. You might come up with more, but I came up with three things that motivate me when I stop and I meditate upon them that motivate me to begin to live in the sense of the fear of God, that motivate me to pray, that motivate me to fast, that motivate me to seek God and to get real about the sense of the fear of the Lord in my life. So let me give them to you. First of all, what motivates us to a sense of God's presence and fear in our life is a fresh look at the cross. A fresh look at the cross. Some things in our Christian life we can get used to by because we repeat them so often we almost 
get immunized to them because we've got used to the language and used to the words. We say, God, open our eyes again to see the cross. Open our eyes again to see the naked splendor of the cross and what it costs you to bleed and to die for us. You know, talking to various people, they said, wow, it was a big build-up and it all happened quickly. What were they talking about? Christmas. And certainly, Christmas on the spiritual calendar is so important that the God of the universe should step into this world of ours. I mean, this is all inspiring in itself, that God steps in. He comes in a way we can all understand. He uses the womb of Mary, and he's born as a baby, and, and not just into a palace or to a temple, but into a stable in filth and squalor. I think, God, that in itself is an amazing statement. That should begin to make me step back in awe and wonder alone. But you, God, should do that. But of course, the purpose of his coming wasn't to be born just in a stable. The purpose of his coming was to happen 33 years later, was to go to a cross, to bleed and die in my place and your place upon that cross. And all their eyes might be opened again as we see him in Gethsemane, sweating as it were great drops of blood, praying, Father, not my will, but your will be done. As he, the holy, spotless, pure one, was contemplating the thought of taking upon himself my sin and your sin, remembering that sin is alien to a holy God, beaten, whipped, and then crucified. Hanging there till he could cry out, It is finished! That I can have a relationship with God through his death, through his sacrifice. Wow. We each one need to pray, Lord, grip me with the cross. Because I believe that is the first when we really get hold of the cross. You know, week by week on a Sunday morning, we break bread, we take the, the, the wine. But sometimes we need to stop and really pray, Lord, open our eyes. Show us the cross, the reality of the cross. Burn into our hearts. Because when we get gripped by the cross, there will come a holy awe. There will come a real reverence. There will come a real sense of the fear of the Lord. You know, I believe some of the uh, hymn writers of old did that in just a few years ago. In 1707, Isaac Watts got gripped by the cross. How do I know? Because he wrote a hymn that we still sing written 1707 when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died my richest gain I can't but loss and poor contempt and all my pride and he goes on we jump to the next verse 3 see from his head his hands his feet sorrow and love Flamingo down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? 
Are thorns composed a richer crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. He got gripped by the cross. And as I begin to recognize, well, we need this kind of revival, this restoration, this renewal of the sense of the fear of the Lord. For all those blessings we've already mentioned, they're, they're just some of the blessings. Then the first step is get gripped by the cross. Get gripped by the cross. Rob, get, I'm speaking to me, get gripped by the cross. I need to be gripped by the cross. We need to be gripped. I believe the church today needs to be gripped by the cross. If you'd analyze the preaching and messages, you, know, you can these days, I guess. You can go on YouTube or podcasts and go around different, some of the key churches around the nation, around the nations. If you've got the time to do that kind of thing. And you'd analyze all the sermons you could from today. I would predict only a small number, if any, would highlight the cross. Doesn't that tell you something? So, Lord, we need a revival. We need to be freshly gripped by the cross. By the cross. That's the first thing I believe that motivates me, motivates us to sense of the fear of the Lord, the awe of God. Secondly, the second thing that motivates us, motivates me, motivates us to the fear of God is the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people live as though God has forgotten this world. Well, they're wrong. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will not leave you orphans, rather. I will send you the Comforter. I'll send you the Holy Spirit. In John 16, we read those, well, several of those, John 15 and John 16. It's several scriptures about John 14, but I just read from John 16. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the help will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I said, I've made things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all the truth. For you'll not speak on his own authority, but wherever he hears, he will speak. And he'll tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. 
Wow, the Holy Spirit. He, he is who his title says he is. He is the Holy Spirit. Before he quoted Isaiah 6, Holy, 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Godhead. He's very much here. Not only among us, but when we accept Christ as Savior, He comes to live inside of us. And yet, somehow we're not gripped by that. Think about it. God in me. God in you. All-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-present. That's who the Holy Spirit is. I don't know if we stop. I don't know if I stop. Or we stop and really meditate upon that as much as we should. He knows everything about us. And if I was to say tonight, okay, let me just choose at random. So be, oh, maybe I, I'll be more kind than that. I'll just say, would anyone like to offer themselves as a volunteer? What we're going to do is we're going to flash up on the screen right now all your thoughts over the last seven days. Every one of them. Who's going to be first to volunteer to have this? I guarantee that unless you're somebody I didn't know you were, we're not going to have any volunteers. Everyone's going to get, you're going to be hiding under your chairs. If I say, well, I have to pick on somebody, you think, okay, suddenly the doors fling open, everyone's gone. Because we said, no. Okay, then three days. The same response I get. And yet the Holy Spirit knows our downsings are uprising. He knows our thoughts from afar off. Hey, we've got to, and he lives inside of us. Think what kind of dwelling place are we, are we allowing, are we giving to him? Or do we give him a little room? There you are, it's a little cut kind of room with locked doors on it to that corner of our heart. I'll just let you out now and again on a Sunday. He is the Holy Spirit. He's a dove, he gets grieved. I think, wow, Lord, I need to recognize who you are afresh and you're living in me. My body is the temple, 1 Corinthians 6, my, verse 19, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not my own. I'm bought at a price. And the same thing's repeated in 2 Corinthians 6. We are the temple of the living God. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. Then into chapter 7, therefore having these promises, let's cleanse ourselves. Nobody does it for us. We have to do it ourselves. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and so on. Wow. Holy Spirit. Every day I should be praying, Holy Spirit, I don't want to hurt you. Let my thoughts be pure. Let my actions be pure. Wow. If we start to pray and act like that, we're going to start living in the fear of the Lord. When we recognize who's resident in our lives, who our life really belongs to, 
You know, in the end of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, there's a scripture that we usually use at the end of a service. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship or the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. We say it, and, or ministers or someone at the front will say it. We think, oh, that's it, it's time to go home now. But actually we're missing out there because it talks about something very important. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Or if you prefer a different word, the communion of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're going to really, if I, if we, are going to really enter into a sense of the fear of the Lord, then we need to start talking to the Holy Spirit. Deliberately talking to Him. He's the third person of the Godhead. You can do that. He's a person. Start talking to Him and presenting our day to Him, our lives to Him. Because when we do that, when we actively engage the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day living, I believe we're going to rediscover something of what it is to walk in the fear of the Lord. Oh, and then these blessings. I can't but keep reminding us of the blessings of healing and, and wisdom and, and long life and provision and protection. All those blessings are beginning to flow. Isn't that worth inviting the Holy Spirit into our life day by day? So, we need to look back. We need to get gripped by the cross. We need to look at the present. We need to recognize the Holy Spirit is with us, in us. There's one last thing I want to share as a motivation to the sense of the fear of the Lord. And that is a look to the future. And by that I'm thinking of the imminent second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, if I really believe, if we really believe that Lord could come at any moment, at any second, I believe that is a great motivator to living in the fear of the Lord. Because you wouldn't want to be caught out, would you? I wouldn't. I want to be caught up, not caught out. I want to be ready. I want to... I'd love to hear those words. Well done, you good and faithful servant. The imminent, that means the, it could happen at any moment. The coming of the Lord Jesus. You know, 2,000 years ago, John and the Apostle John in his letter said, This is the last hour. Well, if that was the last hour, this must be the last seconds. I guess we must be down to milliseconds. And I began to think of this, and I thought, wow. Indicators, because no one knows the time. Let's make, put that out there. Before you think I'm going to be a predictor of when, no one can predict when, not anyone. Jesus said only the Father knows. But he did say there are some indicators. And I believe the reason why the Lord just gives us indicators is to stimulate us, to motivate us to live 
in a correct way, in a right way, in readiness, in preparation for his return. Because that's what God desires. So, over the last few months, now if I, we could, if you've got a few hours, we could do a few hours Bible study on the second coming. Because it does take up about a good third or more of the New Testament. You add in the book of Daniel and chunks of Isaiah and Ezekiel and a bit of Jeremiah and some Psalms and he gave you a big Bible study. We don't have time for that. So what I'm just going to do in the next few moments is I thought what has happened in the last few months that points to the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, you could be watching the news now because these things are just so contemporary. Global warming. Anybody heard of global warming? Do you know? That Swedish girl who's made a name for herself and all that. <laughs> Greta, whatever. But global warming. Is it a new thing? Not really. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 1, verse 11. I'll, I'll read from verse 10. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but ye remain, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You'll fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not fail. Wow, what's God saying? He says the earth is like an old garment. What happens with old garments? They get thin, they get frayed. They get holes in them. And so God was saying, guess what? 2,000 years ago, he's saying, that's going to happen to the earth. It's going to get old, the ozone layers and things are going to get thin and it's going to get old like a garment. And whilst politicians wrestle with some formula and cut down carbon emissions and all that stuff. Do you know what God's going to do? He's going to wrap it up like an old coat and I'll make a new heavens. I'll make a new earth. Hallelujah. So globally, we see things. And then, what else goes on? Look at the second half of Matthew 24, verse 7. I'm just picking out a few things. We could spend a long time, lots of scriptures, so I'm just picking out a couple here. Luke, Matthew 24, verse 7. The second half of the verse, as we are still looking at globally, there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Wow, it seems hardly a week goes by. There's some new pestilence, some new earthquake, some new devastation. 
One moment we're talking about all the floods, even in this country, unprecedented flooding. And then you see in Australia, okay, they have bushfires, but wow, this year has just been so more than any other time. I don't know if you've looked at the maps of Australia when all this has been occurring and it shows you all where the fires are raging. And just looking at that picture on the TV news, you said one third of the country appears to be ablaze. And sure, we must pray for them and reach out to them like that and pray for the Australian churches that they'd be used of God to help in that. As an aside to every, it's almost like a physics law, to every action is equal and opposite reaction. And to what is happening in the natural, then something's going to happen in the spiritual. And we need to pray, God, where there's come in the natural fire, let there come the fire revival. That was an aside. But this thing about a third of a land on fire. And then it says in Revelations 8 and verse 7, the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to earth, and a third of the trees were burned up. And all green grass was burned up. Okay, it's not referring to just Australia. It's referring to something much bigger than Australia. But when you see a land that felt okay, it didn't expect one-third of its land to be on fire. And yet the Bible says in one of the signs in the last times, there'll be this devastating thing will occur and one-third of the world be on fire. I think, wow, is that so difficult to believe right now? And I say no. Then in the Philippines, where they didn't expect a volcano to erupt, it erupts. I don't know about you, but it was quite... left you in a bit of awe when you saw not just the thing erupting, but you see it was like a, like a I don't know, I imagine some ap apocalyptic judgment type thing with all those lightning flashes and things going on as the thing just spewed out all the, the lava and smoke and, and so on. People are going to flee in their thousands and be moved away. And earthquakes and pestilences. Times cartoon is entitled something about the last days, and it had a picture of Father Christmas. It is split into two, the cartoon. One side was Father Christmas with his. his um, trousers on fire as he flew over Australia and then his sleigh sort of being uh, half submerged in water over the UK and I thought it was the top title about the end times I thought wow even the secular newspapers are beginning to capture what's going on in our world so globally just us The, those few things, the global warming and all these things. And then internationally, 
In the first half of that verse, Matthew 24, verse 7, I'm trying to keep you just into a few verses. We could look at so many more. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And or the verse before, wars and rumors of war. Christmas time. News item was this, that Iran, Russia, and China we're going to conduct joint military exercises in the Gulf of Hormuz. If you know your Bible, you're talking about some serious players there in end time prophecy. Russia, the king of the north. China, the king of the east. Iran, the king of the south. And they all got together play war games I thought that was all inspiring enough and I thought wow what's this saying okay that's just, just some exercises but wow this is a big play together and Russia supporting Syria and Iraq oh wow and then of course into that mix you throw President Trump I think oh Lord as he takes out that Iranian general and suddenly you think, wow, and I guess we all felt wow for a little while until the Iranians shot down an airplane, and that seemed to mess things up from their perspective. But you think, wow, wow, it's so, oh, this tinderbox is, is so close to exploding. And then in the middle of it all is Israel, and wow. See, we're only talking about last week's news aren't we if we had time we could show you all those scriptures where I use the king of the north, king of the south so on. just trust me if you read the book of Revelation or Daniel and Ezekiel you'll find them they're there coming of Christ these are just signs they should be waking the church up and waking us up as believers the Lord is coming the Lord is coming nationally. You know, it wasn't days of no. What was it like in days of no? Wickedness, violence. Wow, it's you know, one of the big things in our own national headlines. Knife crime. 22,000 serious knife crimes and murders last year alone. I think, wow, that's pretty serious. Corruption. You know, we've just had elections. You didn't know who to believe. Say no more. Wow. Things happening. Socially. The breakdown of family. The whole gender issues. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1 to 5. Now the Spirit expressly says, In the latter times... Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. 
Again, something has hit the headlines in just the last couple of weeks. That scripture there, forbidding to eat foods which God created. For a long time, we've had our veggies, and we love our veggie people. We've got nothing against veggie people. But I tell you, something a little bit more sinister than veggies. The old vegan thing. Yeah, fine, if people don't want to eat anything that's even related to milk or butter or animal product at all. We say fine, but it's not just fine. It's actually an ism. In the news in just the last couple of weeks, the person in court got the rights for vegans to be made equal with religions so far as the law of discrimination is concerned. And that is a major step upwards in where this is all trending. If I was to take you tonight and take you down the M32 into Bristol City, you'd be confronted by banners above the motorway promoting veganism. Something is afoot, and it says here, in the last days, there's going to be this move to forbid foods, forbid meats and foods. You know, the land of Israel is a land flowing with milk and honey. I don't want to go too, I, I'm, not here, I'm not here to say, oh, you shouldn't be a vegan, you shouldn't be a veggie, or shouldn't be, not at all. I'm on about an ism, I'm on about a force, I'm on about a thing that's taking place, it's almost as militant. And it's just another of the signs. I'm just bringing to you some of the signs. Socially, spiritually. You know, there's a fascination with spiritual things as never before, but unfortunately it's the dark things. The kind of programs that have been produced and the kind of things that people are into. The new agey and the dark spiritual side of things. thank God against that there is another side that coin God is moving by his spirit God is moving in amazing ways in amazing places I wonder tonight if anyone would know where the fastest growing church is in the world today no it's not Korea So you think, well, China, not far away. It might surprise you. According to the Elim Direction magazine, in December, so blame the Elim if it's wrong, it's Iran. Now that's a surprise, isn't it? That God is doing something in Iran and people have been converted. Okay, the church is underground and the people get persecuted and they can lose their lives, but the church is growing. It's one of the fastest growth areas in the world. That's amazing. That's amazing. Pray for Iran. Pray for all those Farsi-speaking Christians. Hallelujah. God's doing something. Some of them have to flee for their lives. They end up in this country. My brother-in-law leads a church with about... 100 to so 
Farsi-speaking people. You have to do it through an interpreter. They're in Cardiff. And, and God's doing something in the earth. Of course it's China. Of course it's South America. Yes, historically, for many of us, it's been South Korea. God's doing something. Make no mistake about it. Signs. 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 Concerning times and seasons, says 1 Thessalonians 5. Brothers, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Oh, before the physical return of Jesus, he comes for his church. The trumpet of the Lord shall sound. Read 1 Thessalonians 4. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we are to alive and remain. Shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with his words. Wow, the Lord is coming. We don't have to study and go into minute detail and try and put dates on things. We need to just see, wow, the signs are there. Whether it's now, whether if it is a thousand years from now, matters not. But the signs are there that should say, people of God, it's time to walk in the fear of the Lord. It's time to be ready. It's time to be live and, and witness the unbeliever. It's time to live and witness as though the Lord is coming extremely soon. Wow, I believe that is a motivator to the fear of the Lord. So I look to the cross. I'm gripped by the cross. I recognize the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living in me recognize Jesus is coming soon. I believe for me, if not for you, those are motivations that should cause me to live a life in the fear of the Lord. And when I do, and when we do, then the healings are going to happen. God's presence is going to be so much more powerful in our midst. We're going to know protection. We're going to know provision. We're going to know long life. We're going to experience God's mercy. And we'll live lives that are pure. And bring honor to his name. Amen. And amen. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.